Welcome to The Travelling Senorita. This is episode number 48. I am getting closer to 50, a little bit like my age, really. That just gave away this young-sounding voice. So I um, am grounded, per se, as we all are, so not really flying around the globe, but finding really cool stories uh, within Australia and have done a lot in northern New South Wales lately and over on the Gold Coast and in Brisbane. But today I'm finding myself down further in, in a very intriguing wine region in New South Wales, which we'll find out where that is. I'm not going to give away the, the secret right now, but we're going to bring on uh, the gentleman who owns the winery, and his name is Richard de Beaurepaire. Is that right, Richard? <laughs> That's correct, Carly, very close. <laughs> I tried to do it with an accent because I just think it's such <laughs> a, I think it's such a fabulous um, name, which is where we're going to start today. So where does that originate from and, and what's your background? Uh, Kylie, it's uh, my family background is in Burgundy and the town of Beaurepaire-en-Bresse, which is uh, near to Beaune and Lyon, <coughs> which uh, is uh, clearly Burgundian. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, we have conditions here in Australia which almost exactly replicate that, which is exciting for us. So uh, uh, history, and I don't know how much you would like me to go Well, let's just, let's just talk about, um, you know, your grandfather growing up in that region in France and then how he got to come to Australia. But my grandfather uh, was <clears throat> in the First World War, blown up, gassed at 16, given one month to live. Wow. Fortunately, he was a tough old bugger and um, he lived to 83, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Wow. Uh, but he, but he had to, he had to survive on half a half a functioning lung, and he he couldn't do it in the conditions uh, in Europe. And his good uh, his cousin Frank, by repair, who, whose family had come out, their branch had come out to Australia one generation before, um, and he got to know them. They got to they got to know each other during the war, First World War. And Frank said, "Look, my business is booming, um, and I need uh, more people." come and live in Australia. So uh, my grandfather arrived in Australia with my father uh, uh, just before the Second World War. So that's how that's how we came to be and in where, Australia. And where did you, when did, where did they end up finding themselves? Where did they land in Australia? Started off in Sydney, but then moved very quickly to Melbourne because that's where Frank was based. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was one of the doyens of Australian industry. In fact, he was the best swimmer ever produced in Australia. Really? Um, he, was, he, he, he was the best swimmer in the world at every event in 1912. He won medals in the Olympics in 1908, 1920, 1924. Uh, missed the 1912 went because they said you can't uh, swim, you're, you're not a, an amateur because you've been teaching kids how to swim. So when he was the best swimmer at every level, Susie talk- O'Neill just passed his number of national championships um, in the last part of her career. Uh, and uh, but he'd been large parts of his life had been outside, had been swimming in Europe. Are we talking so your he, grandfather? Sorry, Frank. Uh, sorry, no, uh, he, he was Richard? my uncle, and he was also my godfather. Oh wow! So he was, okay. So <laughs> Frank was the guy who got my got my grandfather to come to Australia. So I, you know, I've Frank to thank for a lot. So, uh, so just on that, because you've got this really intriguing surname that I, I was thinking about, Bow Repair. Um, and I wondered yep. if people asked you that. What's the connection there? Because we're talking to a, a, a wine, you know, a winery owner here. But what's the connection back to the bow repair? Well, well, Frank started up when he came back with no money in 1924 from the last Olympics in Los Angeles. Uh, he and another guy saved a guy from a shark attack 
in uh, Cronulla, I think, and they passed the hat around. He started off the business retreading tyres, built a national business out of that, and then in the middle of the Depression, started up his own tyre manufacturing and be- took a, a, a third of the Australian market and became Lord Mayor of Melbourne multiple times. So he got the Olympic Games to Melbourne in oh, 1956. Wow. So this is actually the this is the connection to Bow Repair Tyres. Bow Repair Tyres. So he was he was the guy that said to my grandfather, "Come to Australia. You can't. You cannot survive on half a lung in, wow. in Europe." And so he brought him out to work in his burgeoning business. And arrived in 1939, and he, he was my—he became my godfather. So we, we've got a family connection, but it's not—but it's my uncle rather than my grandfather. Yeah, but he sounds my... like he was um, a real inspiration to your life as well. Ah, oh, I mean, unfortunately, he died in '56. They were about to make him Lord Mayor of Melbourne again, so he could open the Olympic Games because he'd been the guy wow. instrumental in getting the games there. But he died, and I was eight, and I—I uh, I, unfortunately. He died too early. I would love to have, um, I would love to have actually spent time talking to the guy because he was obviously tough. He was a, he was he was a driving force. He got things done, and uh, and one of the things you look back at the people who, no matter, you can build a whole business in the middle of the depression, um, and so he had the ability to to drive through obstacles and people saying you can't do it. This you know nobody can do this. Um, so yes, he, 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 is, he is one of the inspiring forces in my life. So, so Melbourne was pretty much home for you um, growing up and then uh, going to school and, and that sort of yep. the formative yep. years of your life, is that right? That's right. Well, I was actually born in Warrnambool, which is... I know where that is. I'm, I'm a Mornington Peninsula girl, Richard, so we, we, we're... <laughs> We're talking the same right. language, just different coasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So, but we moved. My, my parents moved back up to uh, back up to Melbourne when I was probably eighteen months old. Yep. Um, we moved. We grew up in Melbourne. Went to school, university, did, worked uh, for years. And we moved to Sydney in nineteen eighty-five. What did um, you do at university, at, Richard? I, I went to Melbourne. I did. Did my commerce degree and an MBA there. I was thinking, um, um, I feel as though, I mean, you're obviously known for your magnificent wines, uh, the French-style wines um, in Ralston. Is it Ralston? Is that how I pronounce it? Yeah, we'll talk about where that is. But I feel like there's always, it happens every time I do this podcast because it's people to place. So we talk about them growing up. I imagine you would have a business economic style brain um even though you're in wines would that be right (laughs) that's correct our whole our whole family of business people which is lucky we'll come back to that but i I ran um a division of arnott's the old in the old arnott's when it was the most powerful branded um australian brand before it was taken over yeah um spent time in dallas um because i i actually was taking up was due to take over the joint venture between Arnott's and PepsiCo uh, in the US, so they wanted to make me American. Yeah. Uh, so it took me over to Dallas, and we, then we came back to Sydney for that role. And I then went back and ran my own division in Arnott's, and then Arnott's was taken over in 1990 or 91, um, and my division got chopped up, and uh, thing, things evolved from there. I moved into my second completely different career um, running equity research teams all over the world. And so, then, and, and see, because this is this, so you, you know, you worked really hard, you had a family, uh, you know, living the dream per se, you know, you've done your degree, you're yeah. working really hard. 
And then you sort of, uh, obviously, you were travelling a bit. I, I can, I feel like you've had it. You've got a travelling, um, travelling soul. Yes. Um, and you obviously, so. did you spend some time in those working years over in France and sort of, re, you know, having a look at what you're revisiting your history? It, we we did. We, at that point, we weren't quite sure what the link was. There were three de Beaurepaire uh, arms of the family. And it was only in more recent years when my son Will did an amazing job with Ancestry.com and tracking everything oh, down. Oh, wonderful. And, and, yeah. and we reconnected to, and we discovered that we were directly related to the, the, the ones in uh, Burgundy. And they've now embraced us uh, as the, the, they weren't even aware that there was this whole uh, arm of, of, of the family in Australia. And were they winemakers, the, though, the, the one over there? Oh, no, the, the, the Beaurepaire family were uh, military people. Their job was to guard the southeastern border of France against the Holy Roman Empire and the, uh, wow. and the House of Savoy and the, the others. So they're very much military people. Well done to your son. I've got a son, Will, too, and I'm hoping that he's only 18, but I'm assuming your Will's a bit older. But well done to him for digging up that history. It's so important to understand who you are. Well, I think, I think particularly as it gave us a strong link to what we're doing. It's interesting, we, we started off, we knew we had the French heritage. I grew up on the big, heavy wines, uh, typically in Australia, decided that... Uh, a, we wanted they wanted to produce something more elegant yes, um, and yes. so french was the obvious thing so we actually did all of that without and, and and sought french conditions as much as you could ever hope to find in australia and we thought frenchish which is about as much as you could ever aspire to in australia mm. um but but we but we did that because of the french heritage and it only subsequently did we really define exactly what our french heritage was and that was quite quite a fantastic uh, discovery for us. So this was so, when the the Burgundy side came in, when you started yes, to really dig deeper in Yeah, we spent a lot of time in France yeah. um, and, and travelling around. So over the years, going to the wine regions, particularly when we were living in uh, London a couple of times and Hong Kong, Tokyo, Singapore, we, we had uh, parts of my career which were based uh, heavily offshore. Yeah. And... Uh, and that sort of gave, you know, it gives you insights and it gives you, uh, certainly when you're running teams of people in every part of the world, uh, large yeah. groups of um, equity analysts with all different nationalities and backgrounds trying to get them all to work together, it certainly gives you an understanding of people and motivations and you understand that good people are good people no matter where they are yeah. or what nationality. Yeah. And, Etc. And you do usually, because um, you're talking to a travelling soul here and, a, and, a, yes. and an avid European wine drinker, but I think it's also like when you, when you are meeting um, different walks of life around the globe, there's generally like a thread of wine somewhere at the dinner table, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. which creates really good conversation. I mean, and let's face it, the French do it. You know, they really do do it as a leader in the world. Um, so, so, so when you sort of started to, when, when, when was it that Will was digging up the history after you opened up the uh, winery? Yeah, yes, it was probably um, oh, eight to ten years ago, and we've been here for twenty-two years. Um, and so, yeah, my interest in wine goes back obviously a long way before the, any of that. Uh, yeah. Although we didn't actually build 
the vineyard and, and build the wine business until um, a lot later than you know, my original interest in wine. Okay, well, this is my segue into wine because I've wanted to go there the whole time. No. <laughs> um, I, um, so you get to the ripe old age of 50, you and your, and your wife, and you decide yep. that, you know, you've done your economics and your business life in that sense. Um, the kids are probably growing up, I imagine. And yes, oh, you know why I imagine all this? Because I'm living that dream right now, Richard. I'm right there with you. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. It's an interesting age, isn't it? Because you sort of, you kind of, um, I guess when the kids, our both, both our boys have just moved to university in Brisbane. We live in northern New South Wales. And you start to go, what is it that we want to do now? And I'm assuming this is what happened to you. Yes, and it was very much my in-laws had a beef cattle property in Victoria. Um, and I, once I got in, engaged, I was dragooned very happily and uh, positively dragooned into becoming <laughs> yeah, a stockman. And so I had a number of years oh, where wow. we spent a lot of time down there rounding up cattle and doing fencing and doing the stock work in the stockyards. Enjoyed that, but it didn't have the, uh, the intellectual, you know, mm. what I could see is, is the, is the, the force that I needed. Yeah. Um, which was wine, and I'd always been interested in wine. I mean, my first wine trip to South Australia was in 1971 from Melbourne with my little Hillman car before <gasps> I got before Okay, I now we, I need to stop you for a second. My very first car was a Hillman Hunter and <laughs> and a Humber Vogue. A Humber Vogue, there yeah, you okay, go. A bit more swish than mine. Mine was a Hillman <laughs> mix. I love that you drove to South Australia because I always have this thing in Australia now that, um, you know, the good old South Australians, having grown up in Victoria as well, they really did, in my opinion, they were the first to come out of the at the stalls with good wine. Yeah, and in fact, I, it was incredibly fortuitous for me. It was 1971, yep. and that was the time, as, up until then, most Australian wine had been sold as concentrate to the UK. Yes. And I arrived there uh, just as the, uh, as the, the people who became doyens of the industry um, were yeah. starting to produce quality or premium drinking mm. wine. So when I grew up before then, it was all the Tous Rosé and Blue Nun and Porphyry <laughs> Purple and all undrinkable stuff. But, <laughs> but as I arrived there, I mean, it was, and I went round, it was fascinating. The people who became doing so, and I remember pulling up at, uh, with Darry Osborne, uh, and he had tin shed. They all had tin sheds. Yeah, they gra- yeah. come rush out and grab you because you were the first person he'd seen all day. Yeah. And so there were all those, all the people that Cud uh, K at Kay's Amory and uh, oh, Chaffee Brothers, there was a whole raft of them. They were all in tin sheds. They were, they were the pioneers. They were the people who were actually led Australia into premium wine production. I agree. And wow. Henchley was there after I visited them. It was that was inspirational because you you actually saw people who had a vision, and they were they wanted to do something special. They they were they had a passion for the wine. They were going to build a business. And it was it was fascinating. They they were all the same. Even Wolf Blass. I mean, I remember driving up to Wolf Wolf Blass, Wolf Blass's place, and and I thought, wow, this this guy's really he's done it because he's got a castle, battlements, and all sorts <laughs> of things. Everyone else is in a tin shed, and I, and so <laughs> I drove in I drove in through the entrance, and behind the, the facade it was like a western set. It was all tin sheds. So. So, yeah, so, yeah, so I, I, that's what I started in, in, I mean, I'd grown up with like, obviously drinking wine, uh, so it was, I was unusual when our family had both beer and wine, but this was, 
This was the first time I'd really given voice to that. And when I drove back to Melbourne in my little car, I had 13 cases of wine stacked around <laughs> me. And I had about, about six inches of clearance uh, all the way back, to, all the way back and to Melbourne. I love that stacked relationship up. there. Have you got? Have you still kept in contact with those guys from those days? No, no, no but it was, it was, it was, it was too early. I, 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 yeah. I wish I had. Um, but it was at that point I was drinking and storing, and I brought back and filled up all under all the beds and cupboards with wine. <laughs> and when I got married, there was nowhere for Janet to put her clothes or her shoes or anything. I love but it. You've got to get your priorities right in life. I think it's and, very cultured. I, I'm really feeling your European uh, descendants are coming through you there. Yeah, they were. They were definitely. They were definitely channeling. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, so we, we drank and we. So we had. Yeah. We we then when Janet came along. She was the beneficiary of this, you know, this great stack of really good wine. I mean, yeah, went down, yeah. down from Redmond's and Kunawara. I mean, like brands that in some cases have gone, and it's a, and you you look back and you think, wow, that was a that was a really fortuitous time I'd to go. So. Yeah. Um, but I, at that point, I didn't ever expect to be. Um, building a wine business. I well, mean, I, guess, was, I guess you were sort of, um, they were little steps too, weren't they? Because you were becoming yeah. a, con- a connoisseur, an organic connoisseur per se, yes. and then you've come back and then so you've, you've had your working life, you've had the kids and you get to, I think, is it late 90s? Yeah, the, well, mid, mid-90s we started to think about what did the next stage look like? Yes. Um, and and, um, and it, it, it was one of those exercises where you, you start writing up on the board all the things I would like to do mm-hmm. and all the things I don't want to do. Yep. And it, over a period of time of discussion, you find that things start to coalesce. And, and my my father-in-law was a doctor that built up this fabulous beef herd in Victoria. Just watched it decimated by one appalling uh, period where the, the Korean market disappeared and they had to sell everything, including, sell all of their a beautiful herd and then rebuild again mm. um, but he had his first heart attack at 43 should have been dead wow. his second one 60s he died in his 80s wow. I mean, he was an inspirational guy as well because yeah, yeah he, he 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 just went and did things and uh, i realized that all the time on, on the horses and in the stockyards and so on was very physical work that's what kept him alive yeah and that i thought well if we if i'm going to live to whatever age some physical activity and outdoors is is a very desirable part. So is but, that something that you would have put on the board? Like the, these are the things oh, you yeah. write down, right? Absolutely. Wow. But then was, I'm thinking, well, do I really want to be involved in breeding cattle? And no, the, what really makes sense as we start to pull it together was the, was the wine. And so then we started looking for the best place and we, because I'd grown up in the big heavy stuff but we were really starting to think of much more about elegance and French wine. When you say um, it's, you and I have had quite a little bit of a similarity different different, um, different age group here but I grew up on very heavy wines because you, you've, you've said heavy yes. wines a couple of times and it's a good way to describe them because I grew up on the Mornington Peninsula on it, and I think that's actually why I'm not a fan of them anymore because I drank so much of them in the cold weather so when I started to venture into Europe, I loved that, as you said, that elegant, lighter style. So you're obviously yeah. feeling a bit the same by the sounds of it. Oh, absolutely. That, that, was, that was that evolution on the board. And that board was sat there with several years of, of actually discussing and debating with my wife. Um, and kids were getting to an age where, well, late, perhaps in the late, later part where you know, they had views. Uh, their, main, their main complaint was that 
you've spoiled us. We're now we you because we drink some decent wine. <laughs> uh, we we can't go back and drink cask wine. You've ruined us. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and where are we so, going to find it in Australia, Dad? We, yeah. We got to we got to a point where it was then then saying all right. Can we find conditions that will be so give us some more French you know, elegance? And mm -hmm. that was where we started and made a list of what it was that we wanted, never expecting that we would find many more than a, a version of that, a pale version. So, so were you so you okay? Fast forward, you're in Mudgee region. So let's talk about how you found that property. Right. Well, firstly, let's step back. We are. In the Mudgee GI, but when you, if you look at our terroir chart, and we've got a chart yes. which maps the, all the Australian wine regions by temperature and, and, and soil pH, we might as well be on the moon. Um, all right, okay. So, so that which is an interesting one. But how did we find it? We went to a lot of areas. We the first thing we said, right? Oh, the key to French wine is limestone. Yep. And the second one is temperature, and yes. they're actually, as we discovered later, totally inter interlinked. Uh, and the third was access to water. And as we went round to it, we went to a lot of areas um, trying to find the combination. We could not find uh, anything that ticked. You know, you'd have one part which would be good, but you'd be lacking water. Or, uh, uh, finally, we'd, we'd almost given up. We decided that <clears throat> in the end, perhaps what we needed to do was just go to an established wine region uh, with an established tourist flow and just we would hang out our shingle and we'd try and persuade people we were growing a slightly better Shiraz or a you know, Chardonnay. And of all the places we went to, <clears throat> when we finally produced this terroir chart, <coughs> sorry, several years, a number of years later, um, we, Mudgee would have been probably the last place we would have gone to, to do what we wanted to do. But the old experience for the culturals, third generation, he said, if that's what you want to do, have you thought about Ralston? And we said, well, where the hell is Ralston? I would say that. And, <laughs> I don't know where that he, is. <laughs> and he said, look, it's the Candos Cement Works is there. There is a, um, because there is there's limestone. It's, it's a much cooler climate. There's a property, it's up for sale, it's on the river, and I know the owners, would you like me to take you there? Wow. So if you think, if we, if we are absolutely fated to be here, but one of the things we've been looking for was limestone. Now, the problem is Australia is one giant tectonic plate. And um, the seacoast that ran right under our vineyard um, is, dates back 450 million years. And you think, how on earth do you get a seacoast inland? Um, and so we were looking for, for cement works. That was the best proxy we could think of for, for limestone. Yeah. And, and then you'd look at, say, right, now what's the, the surrounding conditions and does there access to water on the properties? And that was a bit, this finally, this all came together in this this property, and then subsequently, my son was um, happened to uh, be working for a short period with a guy who'd been a consulting geologist, and he said, "Oh, he said, look, 30 or 40 years ago, I spent three years mapping the whole geology of Ralston, and he said I still got my notebooks. Wow. So I said to I said to Will, yeah, I mean, you think the chances of them actually working together for a short while and then yeah. him still having notebooks yeah. 30 or 40 years later yeah. we said I said to Will look there's a lot of um, material on the geology and terroir of the French uh, wine regions and we've got all of Ian's notebooks can you sit down with him 
and work out, are we just Frenchish, which is as much as we ever thought we could be in Australia, or are we something better? So can I just and ask there, Richard, was Will studying... Ge- I'm feeling like there's a scientist in the family here. Was the t- <laughs> Terrell's not an easy thing to map out. He's a crypto scientist. He's a... He's, he's, I mean, we're, we're all we're interested. I'm interested in geology and yeah, science and yeah. all, but I'm not a scientist, and not, Will's not either. But but he's had a passion for it, and he's done extraordinary work. Because um, not every day you map out a terrar of the area. Just explain to people what a terrar is, because not everyone. Terrar well, is a, in the French assessment. Uh, French mindset is, is the composition yeah. of the soil. Yep. And and the and the temperature and the general ambience and the, the slopes, um, it's it's a it's an integrated bit. It's, it's we don't actually have a the same philosophy in Australia. No. Uh, but but it's a it's a completely uh, the word I mean it's a it's a crummy word holistic. But it's a but it's a it's a total um, combination of the factors which which apply. And yep. what you realise as you read and as we did more and more and really start to understand much better what we had, which was much better than what we thought was ever possible. Mm. Limestone is everything. I mean, the French, the the seacoast that ran through France 150 million years ago, when France was mainly underwater, um, ran from the White Cliffs of Dover down through uh, Champagne, Burgundy, Loire Valley, separate separate, um, uh, area, separate basin around Bordeaux and then across the northern Rhone. And so all of the French wine regions are on seacoasts and they're all exactly the same soil geology as what we have under our That's property. That's incredible. So does that mean it's only in that region that you're living in or is yeah. that running through yeah. other spots as well? No, no it, 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 it runs, but it, but, it's, it, but you've also got to have it where it's not covered by limestone because we're only down, the limestone's down half a metre to a metre, which is exactly what's happening in Burgundy oh and uh, Champagne. And that, that is and just it, an uncanny serendip- serendipity, really. Oh, uh, the, 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 the probabilities <laughs> of, of all of these things coming together for us are so small that, that, that you, know, you, you start to think, well, we are absolutely fated to be here. This is We well, are meant to be here with French well, heritage. Mother Earth, like, is, Mother Earth is in stumble, charge. Yeah, <laughs> stumbling into... Yeah. yeah, stumble. We're actually looking, but we never thought we could find this. Yeah. And then subsequently having everything validated, the families, the things starting to come together um, and uh, with, with the same conditions, and then you understand that French wine is all about acidity and uh, fruit tannin, which is not features of typically Australian wine. I mean, this is... Yeah, uh, that's right. We, we have to relearn the whole way in which we operate the vineyard and the way in which we make the wine, because the French don't even have a word for winemaker. It's vigneron, the guy grows the grapes. That's it. It's a completely different set of philosophies that govern French wine than what govern, you know, that why, the, why the Australian winemaker is, a, is the guru, and there's a very good reason. And yeah. we explain that in the cellar door. It's a fascinating difference and it exhibits itself very much in the, the nature of the wine so with this you you definitely did your r&d your research and development i can yeah. see that you didn't just stumble upon this scenario oh no yeah. no 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 we, knew, we've been to a lot of places doing. we knew what <laughs> we knew what we would like and we found it in spades yeah so in there's, there's way no... we never expected you could find it yeah i love it and that's the that's the um, i guess that's the the solid uh the, the solidity you know that's your foundation for your business that is now this yeah. uh repair wines which are you know it's a boutique winery per se but they're very well uh regarded so let's talk a little bit about who the winemaker is and what the wines are because 
I firstly, I feel like there's no chance meetings. I've met you today for a reason because I'm going to be drinking your wines because that is exactly the wine that I would drink. And I find it very difficult to find in Australia. So I tend to buy from, um, you know, Spanish acquisition and people like that. So I get a lot of imported wines. But I'm thinking to be more patriotic. You've created a wine that would make me proud, I imagine. I have not tried your wine. So please tell me a little bit about them. Well, the first thing I should say is the thing that really excites us is the French have embraced us. Now wow. we we are we are treated by the French as French wine. Wow. They, we're 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 teamed up with French uh, Go Go Emio, which is the global competitor Michelin guide. The Atout wow. France, which is the French government tourist authority, has embraced us. Um, yeah, this, they, their job is to promote French wine and, and French product into Australia. They've embraced us. We're we're doing wine dinners with the, the when when they bring out top French wow. chefs and our wines are being paired. So, I mean, this is really, this is remarkable because the French, you know, are very protective of their of their heritage, but but we are being treated as French wine and that's and that's the really powerful thing for us. I love that. And that's the that's the surname as well, surely. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Well, that's, a, that's a surname, <laughs> but, but there's also a lot of other French um, yeah, names in Australia, but yeah. yeah, yes, and there's some really good, some guys, some really good French guys, you know, Dominic Porte and so, yes, who, yeah. who are very good winemakers. Um, but the, but the French have completely embraced us, and we have a lot of sommeliers, a lot of yes, um, yeah, you know, French yeah. people trained who are treating us, accepting us as French wine, and that and that to me is startling, yeah, and yeah, it's it's much easier than. And me standing up in a cellar door or a wine dinner or whatever and saying, hey, we produce French wine, to having the French say, hey, you produce, you produce French wine. So Yeah, and um, you know what? And it's really interesting because I've got a couple of really good mates who are, because um, I've owned restaurants and what have you, um, and I've always been in food and wine. So I've got a couple of good mates that are sommeliers, uh, one of them up here at Ray's at Watergoes, and uh, she yeah. will be thrilled that I'm speaking to you today. So who, who, did, who ended up... Um, you had you, you found where you needed to be and, and and you found the property and then who ended up being kind of I guess the person that created the wines um, well it's interesting in the early phases we, we had some of the best winemakers that we could find at Doyens and um, we were we weren't producing uh, it's a number of instances really some of the wines that we, we thought we could and should be producing and it wasn't until um, we a, a, a French winemaker had been uh, had been buying a lot of our fruit and we called in to see him and he said would you like to try some of the wines that I make with your fruit and we said yeah why not and it was absolute revelation and uh, and we suddenly that was the turning point for us where we understood that French wine had to be made in the French in the French method Yes. And which is basically, you know, 10% of the of the uh, the wine is made in the winery. You, it's all about the fruit that comes in the door. It's got a high level of acidity because of the very cold nights. We have a 25 degree swing between day and night. The, 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 so we have a high level of acidity. We have a high level of fruit tannin. And so you don't need to do anything. The wine's already made when it comes in the door. Your wow. job is is to to convert that, that fruit in a linear fashion into wine. You're not making, you're not adding, it's not subtracting. Um, now that's a that's a that's a gross generalisation. But so the, so the, the 
the nature for us and the focus for us has been a lot of focus on the vineyard, cover crops and organic matter and what we do with it to make sure that we capture the, the fruit in the way in which it will go into a winery and be and will come out the other end without a lot of modification. So it's we traditional it's traditional agriculture, yeah? Yeah, but well, this is what the French do. This, that's this, right. That's why the French don't have a word for winemaker. Yeah, it's it's vigneron. The guy grows the grapes, which still stuns me. But it, it absolutely explains what we do. Yeah, and and we're still learning. I mean, we we've had to transition. We've been regrafting, replanting, um, and and uh, to to realign. Um, but vignerons, uh, sorry. Um, Vineyard managers and viticulturalists in Australia didn't have that. Didn't have, understandably, because there weren't any other other regions like it. So we so we've had to learn, and people have learned along with us. And we're still learning. We're still improving. Um, we're, we've got yeah, you know, five, ten, twenty-year plans in terms of what we do uh, to um, to continue upgrading both quality and quantity over over the long term. It's it, yeah, right. And so, so both of your, you've got two children. Do they both work yeah. in the business? They, they both. They, they, we were incredibly fortunate. Uh, both, um, both, my son and Will and my daughter Amanda had very successful business careers. Amanda had been a global strategy consultant based in London for ten Everybody years. Everybody needs and a strategist are, in the family. <laughs> we, 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 well, the, I'm in the fortunate position where both, both our kids are smarter than smarter than me and <laughs> they, they bring they brought incredible skill bases very diverse skill bases Love it. but they've also they brought longevity and so we are now doing things and investing in things that five years ago we you know ten years ago we wouldn't have we have said nah look probably not worth the, the payback's not there we're now investing in things that will have you know 10 20 year payoffs and they they are progressively stepping forward I mean will handles all of our sales and we've got amazing set of relationships just mind-blowing relationships with both from from the sales and the customer point of view and the industry and the uh and he's he's that and the wine he's so he's responsible for all the wine the wine making the wine the um he's not a winemaker but we're overseeing the process um and uh his finance uh, where my daughter is more, she runs all of the cellar door, the wine club, the, the um, all of the, the logistics, and we're doing a whole lot of, we've got major development plans here on farm, which she will be responsible for. So we've got, uh, I'm progressively um, slowly stepping back, and uh, <laughs> so they are now stepping forward, and I become more of support, uh, the backup, you know, the person who does some regions for wine for sales to all top restaurants and hotels and yeah, right. i work with my daughter in the cellar door and so but she runs it so we're in transition and that's probably a 10-year transition is there um accommodation on the property as well um not yet right sounds like it might be in the future <laughs> <laughs> but we need to be very careful about we've got some very uh, kylie we've got some very exciting plans Excellent. which are in in the pipeline right now and the next is what well, we've already got them that the, the, it really depends a lot on whether the banks are going to be remain as excited as they were pre-COVID-19 <laughs> as, as excited uh, as they are as you are so so I'm going to visit this region because Travelling Senorita is, is me and I, I just get out and about all the time usually on an aeroplane but I'm determined now to just drive everywhere 
So yeah. I can cross the border because I'm into Queensland because I'm literally in the border um, area. Yep. But but I keep getting this. I said to um, our mutual friend Ange, I really just want to get in my car and drive. Just drive, drive, drive. So if I was to drive from Byron Bay to you, how long would that take me? It would take you um, from there probably about... Um about eight hours. And so what would be a little way? Would you stop somewhere on the way? Like, what would you do on the way down? Oh, well, the, the, the way in which, because I quite often, I, I, my sales area that I'm responsible for has been Queensland, although I've handed part southeast Queensland, I sort of an oversight to a guy, the, the first non-family member who's joined it. He wow. used to be the gym general manager of Urbane Restaurant in Brisbane. Oh, beautiful the, the, restaurant. He had a restaurant. He was seven years, and before that, manager of Aria in Brisbane. He's a wow. gold-plated called Daniel Tapia. He is the owner of um, the Urbane after seven years of three hats. Um, yeah. Developed Emerson and, had to, and they had to close the restaurant. Daniel joined us as the first wow. non-family member. So is he, he could doing? Have gone and, is he could have he, done anything? Is he doing? So, yeah, exactly. Is he doing Northern New South Wales region as well? He will, he will, he will rain. He will spread gradually down into down to where you are. His focus is um, Gold Coast, Brisbane, Sunshine Coast, and into and his and he will cover that area. But he, he's, he, I mean, he's a you know, an extraordinarily well qualified guy with a lot of credibility. I, I know, I know of him just because I've, yeah, I mean. The thing is up here, having grown up in Melbourne for 27 years, but living up here for nearly that myself, it, there's so many amazing restaurants and, and foodies up in these regions, particularly where we yeah. are in the, you know, I was in the Tweed Valley this morning, which is the, um, you know, the volcanic, uh, the, yes. the green caldera. So, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful area. And I'd imagine you'd have, I was going to ask you, do you have like a, a restaurant in northern New South Wales that, you know, is a big fan of your wines that you could do a shout out to? Uh, just no. Um, and the, the reason for that, I mean, there are some there. Uh, certainly, we've got a national wine agreement with all the Accor hotels, so we're one of twelve out of two and a half thousand. Did you say the Accor? The Accor is that those ones? Accor, so yeah, Sofitels, yeah. Pullmans, um, yeah, and so on. So we've got one. Um, we've um, actually just got one here that bought. They bought out um, Mantra, so they're where I live. It's sold in Kingscliff. Yep. They. Um, so they'll be part of that. Oh, I, so, I might be able to find yeah, your wine yeah, on that list. Food, food and wine. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Many of the wine, but Accor actually wants us. Uh, that we would have been going with them into Singapore right now if it wasn't for COVID nineteen. They wanted all wow. just a couple of hotels and Intercontinental to... doing the same. So we're getting support from those sort of people. They see us as having something completely different, and that's the that's the key. We 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 are different to any other wine produced in Australia. And in fact, if if we we've got fifty five hectares of vines now, we still sell quite a bit of our fruit although the next couple of years that will that, that's changing quickly as we grow uh, but if we ever run out of, of grapes we're we're screwed because there's nowhere else we can draw bulk wine or grapes from us in any way consistent with what we do is it so quite is it quite a, excuse the pun but is it quite a fruitful area or is it abundant <laughs> is it it's, a, it's a very it's a beautiful area it really oh. is a beautiful area around here it's right. uh, right. the head of the, the, the cape Tea valley which is an extraordinary um Old I'm, I'm, I really um, want to do a story down there. So I do know Mudgee from a long time ago, but we're talking, I mean, you're in the Mudgee region per se, but you're really out of Mudgee, aren't you? We're, we're, and so we, we classify ourselves as central rangers. 
which wow. is which encompasses Mudgee, Orange, Bathurst, Cowra, uh, and Ralston, wow. um, because we 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 sit almost a, a unique element. That was one of the the hard decisions early on. Did we did we go somewhere where there was an established tourist flow and yeah. with got yeah. a starting business, or did you go where you wanted to produce something? And you, it was different, and it was away from the, the main flows, and you would have to build the flows. Yeah. And a much tougher road, and at times in the last twenty-two years, there have been honestly times when we thought, gee, we made the wrong decision. But now we absolutely didn't make the wrong decision. It's been the hard slog way, yeah. but we've hit critical mass. We've got credibility, and we couldn't have done it. Uh, anywhere else than where we are now. I know, and but so so the tourist element of it has the town been sort of building on on a destination. Yes, and it, it's 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 got some. Uh, we've got a fantastic yum cha place, and we've got a very good Mexican place. I mean, the places you would never expect in a small uh, New South Wales country town, and we are. So we are a major draw card. We've got Ralston Olive Press, which is one of the top three olive oil producers in the world. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So there's the stuff around here. It's an old agricultural town that dates back to the early 19th century. Yeah. We date back to 18, about 1820, one of the oldest properties in the, outside the Sydney Plain. Wow. Um, so there's a lot of history attached to here, bush rangers and uh, I mean, we've got a Melbourne Cup winner buried on our property it used to be stabled here um, wow. so there's a lot uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff and a guy called uh, harry redford who was captain starlight to be well known in queensland he was the the, the cattle duffer extraordinaire wow. and he's now the character in stockman's hall of fame um amazing wow. story for him so he was his brother owned the property for 50 years so you know what watch out richard there's been a resurgence in domestic uh trouble particularly in regional uh, Australia. So I'm assuming your your uh, little piece of paradise there is going to have a lot of visitors in the next uh, year. Oh, we've been run off our feet now, but it's interesting. Most of the people still coming up uh, uh, from our Sydney and Blue Mountain space, yeah. we, we generally have a lot coming down from, from Queensland, wow. from the uh, south coast, yeah. from uh, Newcastle and Central Coast, uh, from, from Canberra. Uh, they're, they're only just now starting to come back, I guess because once the restrictions are off, they're, they're probably all being besieged by tourists coming into their businesses and also they're probably just exploring the local areas. So we're just starting to see the, the breadth of our, our flows in, but we are running three times um, our previous That's level. Great. We've expanded. Expanded. We we offer. We've always only offered seated tastings because we have to explain why our wines are so different and what the what the rationale is. So yeah. we've always done that. We, we fortunately we expanded our operations and introduced a whole lot of new experiences um, just just in time for the reopening. Uh, so it's it, we are very much focused now on. Um, Provide and, and looking at right, our planning is to expand dramatically the, the range of, of experiences that will be on offer in, on our property and then ultimately into Ralston itself because other people are, are looking to ride off the back and as we grow they're, they're, it, it's opening yeah, doors it, for it others. It builds a destination. I can tell you now growing up on the Mornington Peninsula there was probably the odd winery we, we grew up on an apple orchard there certainly wasn't the 
the Monishmanishla was not the tourist town that it is now when I was growing up there. You know, like it's it's it, it's how to build a destination, isn't it? And you guys are obviously at the forefront of that. I love um, yeah. I love the pride in your voice. Um, you're very proud of what you do, which is um, obviously I'd imagine when I taste your wines, it's going to come through in the bottle. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I, I can really feel it. <laughs> look, look, yeah. If you, look, if you, I mean, I've worked. Uh, this is like this is my third career. I mean, yeah, if I look at yeah. my my kids, they're the same. They've all we've all worked for large companies. This is where you go back to basics and you build through your own sweat um, mm -hmm. and your own activity and and you learn. Yeah, I mean, our, our family motto, which is not actually the the De Beaurepaire family motto in France, because the the, the current um, marquis said, "Whoa, hang on a second, that's not." Uh, and we said, "No, this is our family motto, which is Ne renoncez jamais," which is French for "Never give up." Wow! And that's been the driving force. And if you're on the land and you're in wine, um, I mean, anyone that survived anywhere in Australia in the wine industry and the vineyard industry, it's been tough periods. We've had three of, of the worst. It's yeah. the worst years of drought and living memory, followed yeah. by bushfires, yeah. smoke, heat, COVID nineteen. It's 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 tough, and if you're not if you're not capable yeah. of hacking, then you give up. But I'd there's a lot of guys out there, yeah. who, a lot of guys, in general, men and up. women, who 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 are absolutely committed to what they're doing. Oh, they're committed. And, well, yeah, because you know what? You, you touch on those two industries that I work within as well, which is tourism and hospitality, and I, I don't say this lightly, but they've been decimated on this third yeah. on this third trauma, you know? So um, it's a really tough thing to keep going, and I imagine um, every day you, you sort of thank the lucky stars out there that you are able to do what you do. Um, and yeah. So thank you so much for the journey. I think it's been a really lovely journey. I'm glad that we took you all the way back to come forward. Um, and it's just, I just, I, you know, the whole time I'm talking to you, I'm just, I'm tasting your wine. And I'm like, I really, I was thinking when you said a core, I'm just going to run across the park and see if a core over there have you on the wine list. But what I will yes. do is order some wines. So, so just, just on that, Richard. Go online, go online, but we, 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 we would love to see you. It, it, I'm going to come is, down one day for different. sure. It's different, and the people that like—I mean, a lot of the people that come here yeah. are people who have been to France, have spent time. We have French yeah. people, but but the, but we a lot of people have been to France, have drunk French yeah. wine, yeah. really enjoy that experience. It's a bit of nostalgia for them I love to it. go back, and they can come in here and and have wine, which uh, takes them on a journey. And we say to people on the cellar door, "You've just done the COVID nineteen tour of France." I was just going to say, like you, you really are the uh, the trip to France that they were hoping to go on in July, aren't you? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so, so we, I always I always finish my podcast with who and where, so people and place. Who a person that has inspired you through your life and a place that has inspired you? Oh wow, um, there've been there've been a lot of a lot of things. Um, in terms of wine, the most inspirational character I met uh, was a guy called David Lowe in Mudgee, and he's been president of New South Wales Wine. Um, he's he's the most passionate wine guy I've met. He was a great educator. When we started off, he he was incredibly generous with his Love time. We, yeah. We're still very close to him. I um, mean, he's he's been built, built businesses and boy like us. Yeah, you know, there have been tough times, and you and you know, it would have it would have stopped a lot of people, um, and so 
probably in the wine industry, there the, the guys in South Australia, the early guys who yeah, built yeah. businesses from scratch, that was good. Um, and I, I uh, the people I most admire are the people who build things, yeah. and uh, they're the people that build and, and survive, and, and they they will survive setbacks, and they because they know where they want to get to, and yeah. they're going to get there one way or another. They built some, something from years. nothing, something from nothing. Yeah. yeah. And I and I say and I've said to the kids, and that was how they were brought up. Nobody said life has to be fair. It's the people who can get up off the floor again and, and, and go again who will win because other people can't. Yep. And so you, you've got to accept that you're going to have setbacks and you and you one what you will find a way. And I've said there is always a way, and you, you just you just have to find what. That so way you get is. knocked out and you get back up again. I was taught that as well as a child. So so yeah. where, where's a place that inspires you? Where's the place that inspires me? Mm. Um, actually. It's, it's, Parts of France. I mean, I love going going back, and we haven't done it for a number of years. We're overdue to go, um, but I we lived in so many places. The, the, probably the place that most inspires me in, on every level is uh, Japan. Wow! Uh, I lived there, love love the place, love the culture, love the history, love the uh, the way in which they build built a, a country with no natural resources um, and survive. You know, floods and um, uh, earthquakes and whatever that's probably the one I, I feel the most emotionally connected to when I was there um, was wow. the, the, the resonance with the, with a sense of history and, the, and actually everything has to be done properly you don't tip in Japan people people do stuff for the pride of what they're doing and no matter what the job and that yeah. that probably I love that. I love that about Japan too I love their um decorum and they're just they're just their their friendliness the warmth I love yes. Japan polite. Yeah, right. they're yeah. polite and it's um yeah, they so they're yeah. provincial France we love Paris but provincial France and that's we're more pro, we're provincial French we um we like it's like it's Italian food and wine and family and that's that's what this is that's what we that's what we try to do we we want what our business to be about that element rather than gloss or, or glitz when we do things we, we're not going to be chrome and glass we will be about uh, provincial and uh, and the experience well you are speaking my language so I will be getting in the car like very soon and heading in your direction it was really lovely no, let, to let us know when you're coming we'd love to see you oh that's wonderful thank you so much for um for i feel like you and i could sit over a bottle of wine and talk about this for i love history but i also love wine so you've just given me a podcast today that has, has threaded both those things together and well, it's your... the two things that really motivate me so thank you thank you richard so um i'm gonna say goodbye to everybody now adios and adios to richard thank you and, uh, 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 au revoir au revoir <laughs>